Blog Talk Radio. Numerology is a system of ancient codes found in our birth information that gives insight to the lessons we each must learn in this lifetime. Elizabeth Summers is a medium and esoteric numerologer offering her knowledge of ancient wisdoms to help fellow travelers towards a more enlightened and peaceful path. Join her now for the magical world of numbers. Hi, everyone. Thanks for visiting with me again in the magical world of numbers. I send warm, cuddly hugs to all my listeners in the Midwest that are experiencing those incredibly cold temperatures. I had calls yesterday and today from clients who are scheduling readings with me for 2015 and Those poor babies, they can't even go out and shovel the snow. They go out, and about 10 minutes, they got to come back in because of the wind chill and the frost and the whatever. So I wrap my cuddly warm arms around them from Colorado because we're not in that cold freeze. I mean, it's cold here, but nothing like that. And know that I am thinking about you with warm chocolate, hot chocolate, fireplace, roaring fireplace, warm thoughts. Well, tonight I'm going to chat with you a bit more about the sign of Capricorn because we are in the sign of Capricorn until about the 20th to the 22nd. In astrology, which is part of the work that I do when I do readings for my clients, in astrology there's different schools of calculations. So in what is called mundane astrology, Capricorn extends somewhere between the 20th and the 22nd. Kind of sort of depends on where you are on the globe, actually. And we're going to talk about the Capricorn man and the Capricorn woman and the Capricorn child and the Capricorn lover and the Capricorn friend. So Capricorn might not be your personality, your energy from the 20th around there of December to January 20th, but you might have a lover, a friend, a child, or whatever, that just might help you to understand a little bit. In the work that I do, my 100% goal is to help you understand you and understand energies and understand how they all fit into a human being life experience based on really ancient information, ancient numerology, ancient astrology, and of course the ancient tarot. Speaking of that, in my newsletter that is going to go out tomorrow, no later than Friday, my numerology news, I have 
put a link for a very interesting article to help you to understand where all the pictures came from on the tarot cards, the ancient Rider Waite tarot cards. And hello, a little drum roll, they were all created by a woman, a modern age woman, the Rider Waite deck, which is what I use and many, many, many ancient tarot interpreters use. And I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. I'm going to give you this link. You know, you can just sign up for my newsletter. Just go to ElizabethSummers.com or the Magical World of Numbers.com, and there's a place there to sign up for the newsletters. It's free. I am sending out information all the time to my people because I want to empower you with information. Knowledge is power. So that link about where all these ancient pictures on the Ancient tarot cards came from, and believe me, they're not as ancient as one would think, the drawings of the cards. So let's talk a little bit about Capricorn that is in full swing now. And so, you know, the Capricorn man, he likes to kind of conceal things about his life uh, for very little reason. He doesn't know why. He just conceals things. He can be really defensive. Now, folks, I've told you before, and I'm telling you now, I raised a Capricorn man, and this is so spot on, it's scary. Because every time I would try to give advice or try to do this and that, growing up, very defensive, told that I was lecturing. Have we all not heard that before as parents? And so Capricorns can be really defensive, and it comes naturally. Because they're afraid to allow themselves to be open, to be exposed. It's almost like a fearful control, vulnerability sort of thing that is very uh, uh, germane to Capricorns. And this is why Capricorns can be appearingly so serious. You know, it's like, can we just lighten up here a little bit? With those he trusts, a Capricorn man with those he trusts, he has a wicked sense of humor, a little off the wall, I might add, and a very good nature, very principled, although there's a secrecy about them. They, he keeps his beliefs and his philosophies to himself. So Capricorn men are often devoted to their career, which can, in some ways, make them feel distant from family responsibilities. The Capricorn woman is a cool, cool kind of standoffish charm sort of person. Almost a feeling initially of being a quote-unquote cold fish. Facially non-responsive, can't really warm up, can't get her to giggle and be how, no. Kind of cool, kind of standoffish, but an elegance in her coolness, even though it might be a little unapproachable. Again, this is a mask that hides vulnerability. Most Capricorns, men or women, are afraid of losing face. That oriental, that uh, uh, Asian mindset of 
losing face is very predominant for some reason. They don't want to be embarrassed. They fear criticism. They can't be, they, they just cannot abide being forced to look at themselves, to be self-critical. Now, this gal, this Capricorn woman, however, is really competitive. Although she's kind of interested in investing her own efforts rather than those of her rivals. I mean, she is a competitive person here. If for some reason she is choosing to be a homemaker, to be a mom who stays home and takes care of the kids, then her home becomes her career. She sometimes can be a little stringent, a little overly strict, because she really wants her kids to be number one, just like she wants to be number one. Remember I said she really is competitive. So if she can't be in the outside force working for some reason, then she brings it home and she helps her own children be really competitive. So we go now, all right, a Capricorn child. And a Capricorn child is really may seem like a, a little miniature adult who's very serious and a little bit world weary. They'll kick back. They oh do we have to kind of thing. And although they're very smart, believe it or not, they may lag behind other children developmentally. Especially boys with blue eyes and blonde hair. Those Capricorn children who are born in January specifically do not like to associate with children. They think they're little adults. And they'll want to hang out more with adult kids or you have to talk to them somewhat intellectually, verbally, as an adult. No mamby-pamby. They think they're little they're little adults running around here. They may have a fear of trying, trying particularly skills because why? They are afraid. They are afraid to fail. And for them to succeed, a parent has to be kind of gentle, kind of supportive, not namby-pamby because they'll walk all over you like a doormat. But as, high, as the boy and the girl grow, they're going to grow in confidence. They're going to grow to believe in themselves. They definitely have leadership skills that keep being supported and adjusting to their development. That shoe fit my son. And I did everything I could to get him involved in all kinds of activities and this and that and the other thing. And what is coming to my mind now that I wanted to get him involved in sports and group things, and when he was little, maybe seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, I vividly remember him on a soccer field, and everyone else starts running down the field, chasing that soccer ball, kicking it, whatever, and he spies me sitting on the bleachers, and he stops in the middle of the field and waves to me. Hey, Mom, over here. I'm over here. Okay, whatever. You know, could be. 
I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. But that was his values. I'm not going to chase that ball. What's the good of that? I'm not going to be able to kick the ball. I'm going to fail at it. I'm even afraid to try. But there's my mom. I'm going to wave to her. I know it's a good thing. What if you have a Capricorn lover? Hello. I know your ears are perking up now. A Capricorn lover may seem cautious and a bit cold. But I'm telling you, girls and boys, that saying, still waters run deep, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Capricorn lovers can be downright naughty. Capricorn's biggest problem, confidence. They always worry that a love interest will be faithless to them, cheat on them. And only time with that relationship will prove that to be false. Of course, what we think, we create. So I'm cautioning all you Capricorn lovers to get that he or she's going to be faithless. They're going to go out on me. They're going to cheat on me. You will create your own situation. That's going to happen. And then you'll have it out. Oh, yeah, I told you so. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it will only reinforce your sense of failure. So Capricorns can respond well. Capricorn lovers can respond well to a domestic life because why? It provides stability. They're very prone to solid, stable, marital, in quotations, relationships. Solid, stable partnerships. Whether it's girl, girl, boy, boy, male, female. makes no difference. It provides them stability. And as long as they can see how it's working, Stability. These are not wild and crazy people. I'm here to tell you. Once they fall in love and they commit to someone, the typical Capricorn is unlikely to jeopardize the union. Uh, 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 uh. They're very loyal. Very loyal. And they really place great importance on personal happiness. They just want to be happy. And the happiness they find in the relationship, in the stability of the relationship, very loyal. And I have somewhat of a simplicity about them. They're not, you know, look at me, um, Sandra D, and I got to have all of the bubbles, bangles in me. No. Stability, regimen, routine, insular, very good, solid stability relationships. If you have a Capricorn friend, you know, just like friend, girlfriend, a guy friend, and although they may seem to lack many traits that attract a friendship, I'm telling you, Capricorn men and women make loyal and caring friends. They're they're just not fly by night. They're very grounded. Capricorn is ruled by the sign of Saturn. Saturn is very grounded. Saturn is meat and potatoes, bread and butter. It is not a fluffy-duffy energy. A lot of uh, Capricorns will also be drawn to silver. 
the metal silver or anything that looks like silver, rarely are they drawn to gold. So like sterling, silver, jewelry, and silver uh, adornments in the house, silver. Well, the Capricorns that I know, they're not drawn to gold at all. I don't take that back. I don't want to say at all. It's gross generalization, but uh, I know that. So if you have a Capricorn friend and you want to buy them something as a gift, go for the silver. Capricorn friends love stability. Men and women gain something special from long-term relationships with Capricorns. And so it's good that we have that kind of stability when it comes to relationship, isn't it? They're very ambitious. They're very pragmatic. That's that Saturn energy that's in. Saturn potatoes, bread and butter, and right now Saturn as a moving around energy. It permanently rules Capricorns, but a moving around is called a transit. Right now it's sitting in Sagittarius. Shake, rattling, and roll, getting Sagittarius folks now to start looking at their lives. And you know, Saturn doesn't really like being in Saturn, in Sagittarius. And Sagittarians don't really like Saturn there either. But they're going to have to get used to it. Because from September 2015 all the way into 2017, Saturn's going to be tickling their toes. All Sagittarians are going to have Saturn sitting on top of their heads, their lives, and it's going to be influencing all of us in some fashion, but especially Sagittarius. And a lot of times when Saturn is a moving energy called a transit in a sign, and it's usually in the sign as it tutors around the zodiac for two and a half years, a lot of times there's a change of residence, a change of lifestyle a change of partnership, a change of job. There's change that is restructuring the person. And as time goes on here, I'll talk to you more and more and more about Saturn and Sagittarius. But not tonight. That's all I want to say. You know, here we are in January. We're in the very beginning of the uh, 2015 And I want you to think about house cleaning, spring cleaning. What? It's not spring. No. Think of this time as spring cleaning in all areas of your life. I want you to clear out the old to make room for new. There's a new energy coming as the... 2015 energy vibrationally kicks in. 2014 was kind of a wacko year. It added to a seven. And when I wrote my predictions for 2014, most of which absolutely came true, I might add in all humility, it was very difficult. It was about choices and depressions and deaths and all sorts of things. Well, 2008 energy, 2015 energy adds to an eight, which is Saturn energy, 
so it's not a time to play. But it has a totally vibration, different vibration to it that has more strength, more in charge, more executive. And so I want you to get into the metaphorical garages of your life, the closets of your life, the thought patterns of your life. 2014 is done, over, finished. What did I learn from that? How can I make it better? Was it, was it terrific? Was it not so terrific? And now it's a new day. So we're going to spring clean here in January our lives to make room for the new and let go of anything which is no longer useful for you. I don't care what it is. I tell my people, get into the closet. Do you still wear the same trousers and the shirts and the pants and the, and pass them? But when you give away anything, Dishes, clothes, shirts, you're going to donate them to whatever thrift shop or or uh, um, um, service that you want to give them to. Always thank them. What? I have to thank my shirts? I have to thank my dishes? Yes. They served you well. It reinforces an attitude of gratitude. Thank you for being beautiful, for making me feel good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now I pass you on with great love and gratitude and service to other people. You are blessing them with that energy that is moving them forward into other people's lives of gratitude, of love, of appreciation. And that raises your own personal vibration to the universe of gratitude. Gratitude is one of the highest vibrations, spiritual vibrations that's possible. Whenever I leave a property, and in my long years, I have left quite a few, not because I wanted to, but we got move along, move along, move along. I always turn at the last moment at the front door. And I turn to the house, to the property, to the earth that surrounds it. And I thank it. I thank it for the protection of the wind, the rain, the storm. I thank it for all the joy that went on within those roofs. I thank it. And I bring closure to that part of my life. And I turn around and I never look back. So as you are spring cleaning your life, maybe moving to a new home, do so in gratitude. How you have to do it, whatever, different story. But do it with gratitude. I want you to, you know, forgive. Forgive long-standing hurts and resentments. Those long-standing hurts and resentments are a big ego trip you're holding on you're salving your wounds you're playing the victim you're angry because that person didn't do what you thought that they should do well get over it get over it forgiveness is a choice and we're going to talk about the word choice tonight because I'm going to talk about the number seven so forgive And let's move on here. It's a new day is dawning. 
It's a new year. So such negative emotional clutter, 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 keeps you locked into the past. The past is like dirt. Dirt is dead. Dust in the house is dead. It's dead energy. What is wrong with us that we keep holding on to dirt, to dust? to dander. Really? This year, I think, with maybe just a little tweaking of our attitudes, we're going to make great strides. We're going to make strides in our development. We absolutely are. The number eight is about power. It's about emotional power. That's 2015 is add down to, to an eight. And don't let anything hold you back. And I want you to expand your horizons Think big. Think out of the box in 2015. Look for new things. Don't be a scaredy cat. Step out. Be brave. Think of the baby who's just learning to walk, who holds on to the coffee table in the living room, standing up in his little diaper and his little chubby wuggy legs, and he's holding on to the so, you know, and it, knew it, and it needs to walk, it wants to walk, and it starts, you know, pumping its little feet while it's holding on tight to the coffee table. And mom or dad's on the other side, little distance away, sitting in a chair, arms outstretched, fingers wagging. Come on, come on, come over here, come over here. And it's looking and it's thinking and it's whatever. And then something inside of it says, Okay, I'll give it a shot. And it turns towards mom or dad with the waving fingers and the outstretched arms and pumps its little feet across the living room and most of the time plops into the arms of mom and dad. But it made it. Plop, it made it, but it made it. And you and I both know any of us who've raised babies, after a while, they run so fast, we can't even keep up with them because they believe in themselves. They know they can do it. They gave it a shot, and they tried. This is your year for trying. This is your year for taking your power. I want you to develop yourself and your skills to the best of your advantage. Oh, you might plop down on the living room floor with your diaper, you know. But you pick yourself up and you dust yourself off and you say, I at least made it to the middle of the living room floor. I can do it. Tonight we're going to talk about contradictions. It's the darndest thing. Numbers have no power. They're codes of information. Their language to me, ancient language of codes that I interpret for you. And I interpret what I find by using formulas in your chart, on your month and your birth, your birth certificate name, that's where all the codes are hidden. And we'll talk more about that maybe at another time. But 
Every number is like a personality. So when I teach workshops, and I teach the basic workshops using one through nine, the advanced ones, I use a one through eight, and I use tarot, and I use astrology and whatever in the advanced workshops. But I tell people, think of it as a personality, if you will. And tonight we're going to talk about contradictions in personalities between the numbers one and the number seven. And the outcome is the spiritual lesson of acceptance. Acceptance. The number one personality, whether it's one, ten, one, twenty-eight, one, makes no difference. One is a one is a one. Can be really assertive and be very assured. This is Capricorn. Capricorn is born in January, end of December and in January. Those that are born in January are assertive and assured and very creative and very determined and very authoritative and, and you know, very self-reliant, chins up, shoulders back. Very venturesome, powerful, individualistic, creative, ambitious. Can you catch the personality? I mean, this is a warrior energy. The number one is connected astrologically to the sign of Aries. And if you know any Aries, the best thing to do is to get out of their way. The best thing to do is not to tell them that they can't do something. Because they will say, watch my back. Oh, Every number has a positive and a negative side. We live in a duality of a universe. Up and down, back and forth, yes or no, male, female. Choices. You have two choices. So in the negative, when the number one gets a little wacko in its vibration, a little out of balance, it can really be boastful and dictatorial and quarrelsome and really self-centered egocentric, can get a little pompous too, not to mention conceited. But most Aries and most number ones have to learn patience. And so when it's out of balance, they become impatient. When it's out of balance, these can be toughy children to raise or to live with. No worries. The universe creates, and their higher selves, the universe creates situations to pin their ears back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, on the other hand, the number seven that is Neptune is Pisces. The number seven is connected to Pisces. And where Aries are very deliberate and grounded and, you know, they they just don't hold back. Pisces say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. To me, I always say Pisces is like holding a cloud in your hand. Pisces are very intuitive. 
But they kind of sort of live in another world, Pisces. They frequently need people in their environment to keep them organized. They can be a little flighty. They cannot be necessarily so grounded. Pisces rules the 12th house on the zodiac, which is the house of karma. And all this comes into them and they don't know where on earth it's coming from. A little cloud trying to grab hold a little cloud in your hand. This is an energy that has the buzzwords of wisdom and understanding and truth, spirituality. They can be really analytical, which I'll get to in a moment. Now, I'm talking about the number seven. The number seven astrologically is connected to Pisces. But not everyone who has a seven birthday or hat number, or has a life lesson of a seven, but is necessarily a Pisces. Anyone who has a one birthday number or life path number is not necessarily an Aries. I'm speaking generally now about the number one and the number seven. So the number seven is very intuitive, very contemplative. Studious, introspective, you know, kind of a loner. I call it the Greta Garbo number. I want to be alone. They have certain dignity about them. I mean, they, you will be able to, uh, if you really know the personalities of these numbers, very much be able to identify a person when you meet them. Identify their number by their behavior. Yesterday, I had a client call me uh, uh, to order a reading. And, however, there was some concern. She wasn't sure exactly because she was adopted, which happens a lot, and there's a certain way I handle that. She wasn't sure of her birthday, month, day, and year of birth. And her mother uh, uh, just picked a day because they had to put something on the, the adoptive mother, put something on the birth certificate. And my client said, no, I just, she's an adult woman, just, just never felt right to me. And she gave me, and I have no idea where it came from in her mind, two days in February that she thought, Probably my birthday. It's either this day or that day. So I started talking to her and finding out about her and what she does and what have you. And from talking to her, hearing her personality, hearing how she was talkative, feeling her energy and whatever, I said to her, this day, is your birthday. This is the one, not the other one, not the one that the mother gave her. She was right about that. But of the two that she gave me, sure enough, she showed her personality and her personality and her career choice and her behaviors and what's going on and the choices in her life absolutely fit one of the birthday numbers that she gave to me. 
The number seven is solitary. Very precise. To the point, folks, I'm telling you, they can be a little bratty. They can be a little perfectionist. Sometimes Virgos are very much connected to the number seven. Picky, 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 picky. Perfectionist, if you will. But there's a calm energy around them where the Aries are very effervescent, a little wiry. There's a calmness about the number seven, very intellectual and, you know, very dependable, very nice and very dependable. And so know that the number one in the alphabet is connected to A, J, or S. A, J, or S. So in your birth name, which represents the tools you're coming into this lifetime, it's like your suitcase of energies and memories, you should have about three or four A, J's, or S's in your birth name. If you have five, six, seven, eight, nine, I even had someone at 11 there. Oh, that says, first of all, a couple things. You're very mentally uh, driven. You've had a lot of lifetimes as a man and as a boss and as a leader and really a bossy boss and chill out a little bit. It shows a lot of initiative, three or four, a lot of initiative, a lot of drive, a lot of creativity. It's very good. It says that you know how to stand up for your right with strong determination and sometimes a little aggressive. But someone who has a lot of ones will try to control, and the number sevens do this also. They try to win by silence. That is a control factor. Well, come on, talk to me, talk to me. Uh Uh-uh. They'll shut up. They'll stare at you. They'll walk away. They can't waste their breath. So really, three or four ones in a birth name, good deal. After that, a little tweaking will occur between the ages of 30 and 55 years of age. Now, when it comes to the number seven, it's either missing, which happens in a lot of people's charts. There's no seven code coming in here, which is connected to the letter G. P is in Paul. Y. Yuppie. There should be one, two at the max. This is the spiritual number. Very laid back. When there's one or two, it says says this person's very intuitive. But in other lifetimes, did not pay attention to their intuitiveness. They paid attention to the analytical mind, spiritually speaking, rules, regulations, analysis, analytical mind. And so they know that their job in this lifetime, and it usually shows up in other parts of the chart, where they need to Learn to feel, to listen to their hunches, their intuitiveness. If the letter G, P, or Y shows up in the last name of the person 
on the birth certificate. That indicates that that person is spiritually, intuitively, rightly so, awakening in this lifetime. Now, if the letter P is there, I'll tell you straight up, it ain't pretty. Because the letter P is one of the four heavy-duty chromatodes, one of the four nasties. You know, I call them the four nasties. And that is about awakening. Okay, spiritually awakening. Okay, pay attention to your hunches. But it usually comes through relationship betrayals, financial losses. can be a little a little toughy. Doesn't have to be, but can be a little toughy. And so therefore know that the number seven and the number one are total contradictions to each other. One says, Westward hold the wagons. The other one says, Well now, uh well now let's just wait a minute. Let's think this through. Let's Let's, um, how's this going to work? And do I have to? And who's going all around it with an analytical mind? The number one says, jump on your horse and follow me. The other one says, well, you know, I don't want to ride a horse. I want to kind of stow the wagon. And then I have to be sure that the canvas is tight enough and that we have the So there is a contradiction that goes on here, which then leads to a series of spiritual evolution. Sometimes when things aren't going the way we want them to go, we get all fluffed up and get a little fussy. Number sevens, as well as number twos, but number sevens, not so much the ones, can be very prone to what we call depression. Depression says, if you look at the word, I-O-N at the end is a suffix that says the act of, I-O-N, the act of, P-R-E-S as pressing, and D-E says down, the act of pressing down. And what are we pressing down? We're pressing down our feelings. It's like a plunger in a commode. We're pressing it down, trying to get that water to go down those pipes. And so with the number one, it's all or nothing. Hey, this is it, black or white, all or nothing. The number seven presses down those feelings, and becomes, quote-unquote, depressed. And it's based on a fight-or-flight response that's in all of us as primitive. It's a primitive human being experience. So when we are faced with life-threatening situations and we must make a snap decision and we act on it, there's no time for maybe this, maybe that, There's no time for analyzing. And some of us are impulsive and patient, so we just, like, go for it. 
The number seven pulls back, goes into silence, goes into withdrawal. And this happens with our children, children who were born in the month of July. Number seven are prone to depression. Now, I'm not a clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, and all of that. I'm just speaking to you numerologically and based on a lot of years of experience and working with people and observation. They will go to their rooms. They will withdraw. Because, one, they're thinking, thinking, thinking. They're pressing it down. They're thinking it through. And they can't come up with solutions, and that scares them so that depresses and they can't sleep, and they have the nightmares, and they toss and they turn, and they're this and they're that and the other thing. And so either a decision is going to create an emotional reaction to allow us to either fight the situation, number one, or to flee from it. To flee from it. And thereby... We do not exercise our own power. We give in to the fear. As you've heard me mention many times, I am a student and a practitioner, and I will be teaching a webinar in the next couple months to help you in your spiritual growth through the ancient I chain practice. This practice precedes all Christianity, Buddhism, Mohammed, all of that. There's no rules. There's no regulations. It just says, this is how spirit works. Get with the program. No rules, no regulations. No, you know, I got to... Well, I'm not going to get into the various rubrics of various belief systems. Love it. Changed my life. I teach it as often as possible. It changes other people's lives. So stay tuned. I'll be advertising it in my newsletters that I wanted to sign up for. Thank you very much. And it's called, there are 64 lessons in the I Ching. And there's one, uh, number 57, That's called the gentle penetrating wind. It gives insight as to how to handle these kind of situations. And it has to do with self-correction. Because it says stop striving to influence your life. I am leading us to acceptance here. Because acceptance is the number seven of choice. So number seven is about choice. And because striving, number one, let's get it done, let's make it happen, okay, fine. Striving is based on inner doubt. It really negates any influence that we might have. It says, I've got to figure this out. That's the ego. I have to do this. I mean, push and shove and push and shove. And our doubt then inhibits other people's Ability to find their way, we're like clogging the drain. And because of all of that commotion that's going on energetically, it prevents God and the higher power and the masters and things from intervening in our situation. 
they just step back and they say, okay, go for it. You think you got it going on? Okay. We'll just stand over here in the corner and watch the chaos until you get uh, exhausted about the situation. Then we'll, like, we'll come in and we'll save your buns. So in order for us to empower the truth in our lives and to engage in the force of Mother, Father, God, we need to keep very firm in what we perceive to be the right thing. But then we have to stop and we have to turn the matter over to God. You know, in the AA program, the Alcoholics Anonymous program, now I do not participate in that program, but I have a lot of experience with it. The first step says to admit that you are powerless over your addiction. Give it up. Gave it my best shot. Tried to figure it out myself. Came to the conclusion I'm powerless. So here, here, Mother, Father, God, help. And then once we turn it over to God, Mother, Father, God, male and female energies are in the God force. Then we step back, we disengage from it, and we allow. And this is a biggie. This is the number seven of choice. You allow to happen whatever is going to happen. You put it in God's hands. Who can keep the stars in the sky knows a few things more than you do. And you say out loud, I allow you to guide my life in the most wonderful, perfect way. Show me the next step. Allowing is the first step to acceptance. It is giving up control. If you were, if your life was moving along spiffy doodle, you wouldn't be in the struggle that you might be in. And so the root of the problem is that we have to ask why on earth do we keep contriving and keep defending ourselves and why do we revert to old habits of worrying and trying to make things happen and this worked before in 17 in in, in 1979 and it worked again in 1992 and here we are in 2015 and I'm going to try the same thing keep trying the same thing over and over just because that was then and it worked doesn't mean that you're in the same place and so Sometimes our inner independence feels very threatened. So the interesting thing is that other people from a soul's perspective pursue, perceive our vulnerability. It's like a soul thing, a telepathic thing. And then the king of the heap game begins. And once we realize that the king of the heap whether it's the IRS, whether it's our husband, whether it's our wife, whether it's some outside force who starts throwing their weight around in our face, the king of the heap, that's when we must return to inner independence and detachment, like whatever. I tell my clients I want them to become valley girls. Okay, fine, like whatever. And sometimes perceiving on how events go marching toward an appropriate conclusion, then we get all hyped up and we want to like, okay, this is great. I see where it's going. Let's hurry this along. Let's hurry, hurry, hurry. And that's when desire and fear kicks in and we have the pressure. All right, I know how to fix this. I'm going to do this and now. And we intervene. And we screw things up. 
So I want you to keep your desire, keep your fear, keep your ambition, number one, at control, under, at bay, remain disengaged, be content to be the observer of how things are going, coming along, inch by inch, everything's a cinch, Robert Schuller taught me years ago in the 70s. And I want you to keep in mind that once we turn matters over to Mother, Father, God, they have ways of straightening things out that are so far beyond beyond our little minds of figuring things out that it becomes a wow at the end. Whoa, who would have thought? Whoa, that's kind of cool. That's when the wows happen. So we sometimes call miracles. So don't get tired of persevering and being tested and don't get tired of being impatient and don't demand upon yourself. Your ego will constantly be trying to control situations. And when that happens, you go out on a beautiful starry night and say to yourself, shut up. Look at the stars. That's Mother, Father, God. If they can keep the stars in the sky and that source, that power in the universe that I am connected to in an egg, a raw egg, when you crack it open and put it in a dish, there's that white filament. That white filament is in that encased eggshell in order to keep the yolk balanced in the middle of the eggshell, in the middle of the fluid. That white filament is a balancing mechanism for the yolk. Each one of us has a one filament that is connected from our higher self to Mother, Father, God. We have other filaments connected to other people called cords that there are certain healers that are cord cutters and can straighten all that out. But this filament never, ever, ever gets cut between our soul and its connection, energetic connection. So white Sometimes uh, uh, healers will, will tell you it's a gold cord, but, but I always see it as a white cord that goes from my soul to the source Mother, Father, God energy. And that keeps us balanced. That keeps us spiritually balanced. Just like that white filament does, connected to the yoke in the center of an egg that is encased in the shell. Acceptance is the key. Acceptance is a choice. You can kick and scream, kick and scream, kick and scream all you want. Acceptance is a choice. Okay, fine. Whatever. All is divine. The Buddhists have a saying, which I learned years ago, as simple as it is. What is, is. 
What are you going to do about it? Are you going to try to make it be different than what is? What is this? Choose acceptance. Doesn't say weakness. Doesn't say you screwed up. Says I did the best that I could. And now I give it to God. Now I accept what is, is. You will be amazed at the peace that comes over you. The ancient Eugene teaches, do not bang your head against a closed door. All you will get is a headache. It is far better to stand at the wooden closed doors of your life Intend to move through the doors and patiently wait for Mother, Father, God on the other side of the door, on the other side of your life to straighten things out for you because they're always working for our highest good and greatest joy. And when it's time for those doors to open and for you to move forward in your life, you will find they will open wide for you. Acceptance is the key. And it is number seven, a free will choice. I'd love for you to go to my website, two of them, Magical World of Numbers or ElizabethSummers.com. Let me do a reading for you to help you, help you understand the the life that you have put together. What is happening for you in 2015? Knowledge is power. Go to my Facebook, Summer's Numerology. I am posting as much as I can post on there. And if you have any reviews or testimonials about how you like the show or don't like the show, it's okay. Send me an email. Go to my contact page. I am here for you. I look forward to visiting with you every Wednesday. And until next time, know that I send you God's white light and his peace and his harmony. And know that I wish you all good things. And thank you so much one more time for visiting with me in the magical world of numbers.